Special thanks to everyone who pledged money to crowdfund the show this week, including Matt Lacey, David Walker, Tim Edwards, Zilliko Elia, Andy Hagen, Jamie Holland, Roland Roberts, Ian Wilkinson, Alistair Harding, Dan Lane, Ian Mercer and John Balshaw. There's a full list of our supporters on 361podcast.com, along with information on how to help us for as little as $1 per episode via Patreon. Hello and welcome to 361, a weekly podcast about mobile tech and the world around it. My name's Ben Smith. I'm Ray Blanford. And I'm Ewan McLeod. This is season 14, episode one. We're back and with Mr. McLeod dialing in live from Copenhagen. Yes. Hello, London. We're talking about the exploding Samsung Galaxy Note 7. We asked, can you ever trust Samsung again and what they might do to recover? Welcome back, chaps. How are you doing? Hello. Ooh, that was loud. Oh. Blimey, Rafe Blanford's blown my left ear out. How are you all doing? Wow. Welcome back to season 14. Very exciting. 14? Rafe Blanford is very excited. Yeah. The season they said would never happen after we got rid of urine, or at least tried to. We have been inundated with an email saying, yeah. are you guys still doing that thing? I, I did like, you know. What was it called again? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, that, that kind of slightly amusing anecdote mm. based show that's it yeah you're still writing fresh mess yes. text news or something and yeah. uh, no that's not what we call it now yeah so uh, so we're back surprise yes. hello hello and uh, how are you doing mr blanford doing quite well thank you and i appreciate you asking how about yourself well you know proximity and uh, you know nearest and dearest nearest and dearest and you know can't go wrong with half of that can you i'm good thank you yeah. for asking i'm a little bit under the weather recently but you know that's I'm the very sorry the, to hear that. the weather has turned in the uk and mm. it's been a bit cold and wet how about you well, I mean, I can't say I enjoy the winter weather either, but I'm looking forward to the season that's coming up. And actually, it's been a lot more peaceful when we've been doing these recordings, I've noticed. The, or at least in the room, at least. The whole business of setting the equipment up has been both more organised, more peaceably performed, and more constructive and cooperative. I, I couldn't Come agree on. with you more. So but, shall, oh. shall we address the elephant not in the room? Yes. Come on then. Hello, Copenhagen. Hello, London. Hello, Hello London. London. What's the weather yes. like in Copenhagen? Seven degrees and quite all right. No um, snow yet. A balmy seven degrees centigrade mm, because that's right. Yeah, that's a sensible way to measure temperature. Americans take note. So, how's it going? Well, yes, I've, I've done the move. You, so, and, you've, how long uh, have you been there now? I have been almost three months. Right, so you're settled in now. I'm, I'm more or less settled. I was doing some IKEA stuff last night. Right. Well, I, we've, we've talked about this before. IKEA's Sweden, and you're in Denmark. Yes. Yes. Indeed. Indeed. Yeah. Uh, but they do allow it here. Fair enough. Well, they allow it here as well. Yes, yes. Okay. So, so you've uh, moved in. Have you have you chance to be a tourist yet? Done anything interesting in Copenhagen? Uh, yeah, we've been, we've been uh, a good morning. Good morning. That's tuck. what I say in the office in the morning. Tack, tack. A uh, uh, tog, 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 tog. I just kind of mumble it. I mumble it and people just kind of accept it, which is quite good. It's a bit like uh, the way you approach uh, English, to be honest. Say, and what do you say in the evening? I haven't got that one yet. Oh dear. <laughs> you, are, uh, you are next to useless. <laughs> like, you, the man who says good morning, but he's very, very quiet. He gets, he gets progressively quieter throughout the day. Yeah. And then he just mumbles, mumbles, mumbles and leaves. Hi, uh, hi. There is, is yeah. for like a bye bye kind of thing. And then hi is quite conveniently hi. I feel like we're failing the listenership in a comprehensive guide to, to speaking well, Danish. I if you if you've got to ask me, I would have got this stuff up on the screen. Fair enough. So good Sorry. things about living in Denmark? Oh, well, they're all very, very nice, lovely people uh, across the Nordics, actually, because I've been to all the Nordic countries. Uh, and, so and just name just name them for us, just in case I, anybody anybody else. I mean, obviously not the, me. The Nordic countries yeah. are, uh, are Finland, 
Right. Uh, there's no particular order, by the way. I need to be clear. Right? Um, in, in order these, of the these best. Are the ones that I can remember. <laughs> okay. Right. Uh, Finland, Norway, Sweden, Denmark. Dan there you go. Dan bang the table. You, no, no, that's, many, I'm just getting. I'm getting it right though. I'm getting yeah, it right. How many times has Mark uh, told maybe you? Maybe a few others. Yeah. Well, what are the other ones? Iceland, what? Faroe Islands. Oh, 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 okay. No, no. So that's a very good point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good point. I was thinking about where Nordea company I'm working with, where they operate, and the okay, main markets fair, are fine. those four countries. And uh, just have you, to qualify things, yeah, you know, from a Nordic perspective, that's what that's what I think about on a daily basis. Fair enough. And uh, have you been to the Wicker Furniture Shop in uh, Copenhagen? Uh, no. Yeah, the Wicker Furniture is very famous. Yeah. Why? What? Well, there's something rattan in the state of Denmark, isn't there? Oh, excellent! Very good, very good. I'm gonna yeah. put that. I'm gonna put that delay down to the uh, the, 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 the lag on <laughs> yeah, the satellite down the line, link. Down the yeah, line, exactly. Right. So, yeah. so while, while Ben's been making bad jokes, you've actually been doing serious tourist trips. I uh, think you've been to Hamlet's Castle, haven't you? Uh, how it's Hamlet? The uh, Kronborg Castle was very good. That was excellent. excellent. Took the children there. We've covered the good stuff. I did hear some rather sad news that you were having a bit of problem living your life because there was a lack of on-demand services, oh, particularly demand services in English. It, so, I mean, a, I'm, I'm quite yeah. impressed. You're, you're dressed and you're obviously eating, so it can't be all that bad. What do you mean I'm obviously eating? Thank you very much. That's very kind of you. <laughs> you're looking well-fed. So, listeners will know that I have been a very, very big user of on-demand services in the UK and, I, and, and actually in America. I need to tell you about my, my American experience in another episode. Here in Denmark, they don't really go in for that as much. It's a little bit more traditional. Now, there is Just Eat exists and there's Domino's and so on, but there's no Deliveroo-style, Fudura-style service in Copenhagen. Hang on a minute. Amazon Prime. Oh, geez, that has been winding me up, something chronic that. So I'm an Amazon Prime customer in the UK. I can still have stuff shipped over here. It takes you know, three days, which is equivalent to a lifetime, as far as I'm concerned. So no Amazon... No Amazon Prime now deliveries in an hour or two hours. No, 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 no. I'm having it's to say that. testing your patience and impulse control. How do, I, how do they live? What, no, it's like living like an animal. They how have you survived? You, you have to go shopping. No. The, you have to go outside you and have be to go there to a at shop. opening time. You have time. to speak to people. It's incredibly frustrating for me. I mean, they're all very polite. It's all very efficient here, of course. Um, but I don't like having to go anywhere. It, it interrupts my day. And I, the, the, the shops close at six. That's it. Yeah, um, the, what, the normal um, time. breaking consumer retail insight is is going going places is forms part of your day. That's it, right there, down kids. There'll be a test later. Well, if I need to buy a new jumper or sweater, I'm having to speak in international English. You see, I can't use. You know, it's quite interesting that you can't say jumper. No. What do you mean? No, a sweater. Ah, yes. The only way I'm surviving at the minute because I I don't know what shop to go to or where to go. Or how to do anything, right? Um, I would have thought the Danes you, would be lining up to sell you where to go, right you now. go. Okay, here's a question. There's no Apple Store. There's no Apple Store, right? No. Um, how? How? How did now? Did you know that when you signed up to move to Denmark? I permanently? didn't. I, sh- I should actually have asked because there is some you know, essential due diligence that I feel that one, you failed to do. One, no is Amazon. Amazon fully yeah. operational in your area? Do you have Deliveroo or equivalent? Yeah. You know, uh, to the, the equivalent. So, do, three. Do you have Wagamama? Yeah. And actually, what? they do have Wagamama here. Do they? Two of them. Yeah. Right. In Tivoli and, Gardens. I, didn't, and, I only just discovered that. And do you have an Apple store, like a proper Apple Apple store, not, yes. a, not a reseller? Well, the only reason I need an Apple store is because, you know, Amazon Prime doesn't really deliver, right? Uh, well, there isn't an Amazon Prime uh, here. 
There must be a PC World equivalent. Yeah. I just haven't discovered it yet. I've not got it. Okay, a, a okay. so before this turns into the pity show for Ewan, could we maybe agree that we'll have a short, regular update from Ewan's travails in Denmark to just entertain our listeners as to how inadequately he's coping with moving to another country, which is just in Europe, and just the horror of dropping him somewhere even more exotic. I've got a bike. You've got a bike. You've got a bike. You're, a bike. you're riding been, a have, bike. Next you're telling me you're clear. getting on a bus and taking public transport. I did not see us going that direction in this podcast. No, no. no. it is. Uh, I have taken the tube as well. It's very efficient. <gasps> wow. Wow. All right, move on. Move we on. might have to revisit so, that. So that's our regular thing this season. We're going yeah. to be taking... Yeah, sorry, not you, taking the piss. We'll be asking you in about his... Yeah. You can't Denmark use experience. that kind of word the, this, on this, this podcast. Yeah. This section entitled Tiny Violin. Mark, can you cut in the sound of a tiny violin behind the complaining, please, when you do the edit? Anyways, Rafe Blanford, what are we talking about this week? Because we really ought to talk about mobile tech stuff. Because I've missed really? this. Well, I suppose we ought to. I mean, marking himself for 45 yeah. minutes. Okay, so this week I thought we'd talk about, well, basically, Pop Goes the Fablet. Wow, that's Ooh, a snappy title. It is, it is. So this is, of course, about the uh, Samsung Note. As regular listeners will know, we don't tend to sort of recap headlines, but we think it's worth talking about the impact of this. So we're going to cover a couple of key questions. But I guess the, the first thing to say, this is, of course, about the Samsung Galaxy Note 7, which yes. went through a couple of recalls. As we know, there's actually an initial one, and then later on it got pulled altogether as a product. The kind of the impact of this has been massive. Samsung's talking about, you know, by sort of Q1 of next year, it would have lost $5 billion and kind of lost mm. profits. And of course, there's a reputational impact as well as all of that. But I just think quite amazing to see something like this happens and the scale with which it was happening as well. It was on the headlines. The kind of news of this has been absolutely everywhere, hasn't it, Ewan? It has. And do you know, what I find very interesting, because I've been flying a lot recently, is the amount of publicity that Samsung is getting. And my question I, I'd like to ask you is, is this publicity positive or negative? Now, for, have, you, have you taken a flight recently? I have, yes. Right. Actually, well, I, you... well, I haven't, so fill me in. Okay, right. Um, what is really interesting is there are at least two or three announcements now before you board, uh, and then when you're on board via the, from the, the stewardesses and the, 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 the gate staff to say, if you've got a Galaxy Note 7, they're banned, you can't use them. In fact, on the, the flight a couple of days ago, I recorded this. Do you want to, can I, can oh, I play it? Yeah, this, yeah, this, yeah. Is, this is from on board, right? On board the flight. This is live on the scene reporting from you and McLeod. Is this positive or is this negative for Samsung? Because they are getting a lot of exposure. It's probably, here we go. We were out for like the informal pass today, but... The design Samsung Galaxy Note 7 is completely forbidden aboard of this flight and every other SAS flight at the moment. If you have a Samsung Galaxy Note 7 with you today, please contact any of us in the crew. You may also contact us if any of your electronic devices are is feeling hot, producing smoke, or falling in between the seat structures. Thank mm, you. There you go. Can I just stop you? Because at the end there, yeah. she talks about three things that, that the crew can help you with and I feel like two of them warrant some help <laughs> and the third one, one yes. yeah so the first one is your device getting really hot ask for help okay mm. fair enough is it smoking ask for help fine yeah. legit definitely ask for help have you dropped it and are having trouble reaching it no you're a grown-up deal with this situation yourself <laughs> isn't that isn't that interesting right before you board they're asking you, have you got a Samsung Note 7? Uh, please stop. You, if you do, you can't take it on the flight. It's prohibited. Uh, they don't ask you about anything else, of course. 
That, but they, they are specifically mentioned this, this this particular handset. And then on every booking page, every login page, every check-in page or on the app or everything that I, I'm using, I'm using BA and I'm using SES. That was an SES flight, that one there. There was a constant stream of Samsung Note doesn't work. It blows up. Yeah. Reminders. Now, is this good in the all press is good press? Or is it terrible in that every time, every person getting on a plane, and you know there are thousands of planes above all of us at the moment, right, with 100-plus passengers, each of them who have just been told 20 minutes ago, or the like, stop, you know, Samsung uh, Note exploded and don't use it and don't buy it. So when they go to a phone store sometime next year, is there any hint? Are they going to buy Samsung or are they absolutely positively staying well away from it. Yeah, I, I think that's a, an interesting question, but I think, it, and that's actually the only reason we're talking about it as well, because I think in itself, there's no real merit in talking about is the Galaxy Note 7 good, bad, or, or yeah, any of that well, kind yeah. of stuff. But I was quite like, tempted by it, actually. So does it actually do anything good or bad for, for Samsung? And I think for yeah. me, now, I, you know, this may come as a surprise to you, so I'd like you to steal yourselves for this surprise, but I really wasn't very positive about the Samsung brand to begin no. with. I know, I know. No, this is never a have been, shocking never revelation. Have. But mm. what this says to me, though, every time I hear it is, hey, you remember that phone that Samsung managed to launch all the way to putting it in the hands of lots and lots of customers? That was dangerous. Yeah, that company make dangerous products. And all right, I know it's recalled, and I know that probably the risk of people being hurt by this phone is now ended, even though some people were, or, you know, property was damaged. But, like, you know, I'd be really worried that how did Samsung let that happen, and how do I know it's not going to happen again? Yeah. I think the thing here is there's a rational side to it, where if you look at the numbers, people impacted actually relatively few, and the risk associated not that high, but the impact it has on Samsung, I, I don't think anyone can question the fact that people hearing that a phone's exploded is going to have a negative impact on the brand. But Ewan's right. The airline thing is really symptomatic of just a much wider awareness and campaign around it. And in one sense, yeah, lots more people have heard about Samsung and maybe associated them with phones. I think you have to see it as negative, but a lot will depend on how Samsung responds next. And I think it fumbled a little bit, the whole response, and the fact that there had to be kind of effectively a second recall after saying we fixed it. That's what really damaged them. If they got it right the first time around, it would have been Problems negative, happen. but, you know, big deal. It would yeah. probably actually been a case study on how you deal with it effectively. The fact it happened the second time around, and the fact they still haven't really said what was causing it. I mean, the suspicion really is it's around the fast charging of the battery and that, you know, very densification of batteries and all of that sort of thing, and maybe something in the chipset. But the fact they haven't fixed it and haven't come out and said it is, is quite bad for people in the know. But most people have heard about this in a relatively vague way. And I think if they do well with, say, the S8 next time around, a lot of that could be recovered from pretty quickly. I think for the Note brand itself, it may well be terminal. But I had to look at a couple of the surveys that have been done. And just after it happened, people, you know, 50% of people who bought a Samsung were saying, I'm never going to buy one again. That's now a kind of month on gone down to about 10%. It does depend on yeah. the market you look at. And so while undoubtedly people will be aware of it, I'm not sure how much of a long-term impact it actually has. The only thing I would say is I think these things can be quite hard to shrug off. And it's not just about mobile phones for Samsung. I mean, for someone like you, Ben, who's probably not well disposed towards Samsung, does this make you, and I can ask this question very explicitly, can you trust Samsung again 
outside of mobile phones does it make you think twice about stuff in the home for example well and that and that is my worry is that i don't own any samsung phones and i'm not likely to just because i don't i don't want them yeah. they're, they're not good products that i want but i do have a samsung telly i do have other samsung products in my house family members have you know the, why, what, why what, do you have a telly? white goods why, why do you have a samsung by the way That's it was interesting it was the well, it was the least worst of the smart TVs. The I least mean, good one. Yeah, they, they, you, <laughs> you, you explicitly go and get a, a Sony, for example. So, but, but, I mean, the way I buy TVs is to say, what does the review say has the best panel and the best picture? And then right. what has the least intrusive smart technology? Because I'm not going to use any of that smart stuff. No, I'm going exactly. yeah. to plug in yeah. an Apple TV or I'm going to use some other decent quality, you know, a streaming box or something like that. Oh, so, okay. But the worry I have, though, is that my friends and family and, and yeah, in our house is stuffed full of Samsung devices that are on all the time. And, I mean, you know, the TV's on most of the time. We turn it off occasionally, but there will be people with Samsung products, you know, by their bedside that are on all the time or charging all the time. There are people with Samsung refrigerators and washing machines, all those kinds of things that are on all the time. And also that have motors and, you know, use amounts of power that are far more dangerous than, uh, you know, than, than in a phone. And we saw what happened with batteries and the danger that came out of that. So I suppose to, to go back to your question, Rafe, I'm not sure I do want Samsung products because I no longer trust their QA. And, and just the reason I say that is the talk that's happened afterwards. And we move now from what has been in the mainstream media to what, you know, the, the geeks know. And that was the conversation around the fact that, the Note 7 was probably launched too quickly and it was probably launched in order to get a competitive advantage you know, relative to the launch of other phones, including the iPhone 7. And so it makes me think now that actually Samsung's a company that's willing to cut corners in order to launch products on time. And if they'll do it once, will their leadership decide to do it again when it's convenient to do so? And it won't be convenient to do it for the Galaxy S8, obviously. That thing will be tested to within an inch of its life. But what about in a year's time, two years' time? So it's almost the culture of the company that permitted something like this to happen. Would you agree that it may not be a particularly rational position to take because lots of other companies are trying to do the same thing? Or are you suggesting somehow that Samsung is worse in your mind? Well, Samsung is worse in my mind because they are massive and very profitable and I expect them to set the gold standard in consumer electronics. If this had been... Even um, though you don't buy them. <laughs> but I don't, I don't buy them because I don't like the feature set. I don't expect them to be dangerous. You know, I do expect them to meet basic safety standards and good practice and those yes. sorts of things. Yes. And there's a difference between not wanting a Samsung because I don't want to use Android versus thinking that thing is going to set fire to my house. I wouldn't have been surprised if it was one of the new and emerging brands that got this wrong as it adopted a technology that it hasn't mastered. But this is Samsung. And so it does beg the question, you know, what about all of the other brands? And I don't exclude Apple from this. You know, they're under pressure yeah. to make, you know, yeah. successful, smaller, faster charging devices. And Apple's not immune for criticism for launching products that break after they launch. But the difference there is that they've rarely put people's lives in danger. They've been inconvenient and they've been laughable in some cases. They've rarely put people's lives in danger. And I think when you look at the detail, it really appears that the reason things have gone wrong is we need to get this to market. That's more important than any other decision. It was technical failings in the process, you know, the, and everybody points to antenna gate, but that's because Apple prioritized privacy and, and secrecy around their new models over testing them as real consumers would hold them. 
yeah, not a good call, you know, sad mistake to make. You're but, holding it wrong. Exactly. But doesn't put anyone's life in danger. But to me, I, that's a cultural failing just in, in the same way. And I do agree the Samsung thing is more serious, but I think it could have happened to any of these companies. And as I say, how Samsung responds to this will be really interesting. I'm not sure most consumers give the level of thought that you have to this. And I think no. No, and, and and just, the, just know, to... the awareness thing that Ewan was kind of getting at earlier that actually more people would have heard about Samsung as a mobile phone brand. And actually, you know, a lot of the coverage has talked about Samsung in quite a positive light. So actually you do see some of the research saying that it's been bad for them. I actually think amongst some of their core audience, their loyalists, probably not so much. But that's surprising because you and they screwed up the recall, didn't they? I they, know. Th- they said that they were yeah. going to fix it and they put out new devices and those devices then subsequently failed. And for me, <sighs> I think if we were only talking about the first story, I would be much more measured mm. in my criticism of the culture and the background and all that kind of stuff because I'd say, you know, I'd have to grudgingly agree with you, Rafe. You know, these things happen, could have been anyone. But telling people that this product was fixed putting it out, specifying model numbers that were better and all this kind of stuff, and uh, then having the same issue again, and they're only then having to uh, have a recall. You know, this really is a cultural issue. And, but that's partly the consumer expectations that then get fixed instantly. I mean, if you look back in yes. history, we've had other industries, and automotive is a good example, where things have gone wrong and they've had to do the reputation management and, and they have recovered or, you know, special offers. I guess the thing we should move on to is actually saying okay so it happened you're a samsung exec you know we'll sit in their armchair and say well what would you actually do to fix this Mm. go on you and you're the only one around the table who's an actual exec so let's let you go first well that's very kind of you it pains Um, me to say that as well i can't believe (laughs) sitting here sitting here looking at you being successful that really asks a lot of questions about where i've gone wrong in my life i tell you (laughs) in this context i was expecting Samsung to very simply issue issue the blanket recall. And when I saw the notifications of the, you know, the um, recall happening, I thought, great. And I expected them to quite simply say, here's a new device. You can have an S7. Done. I was expecting them to be really, really clear. I didn't want to see vouchers. I didn't want to see, yeah, I want them to say money back immediately done. Just you know, type in your, your serial number, ship it back to us free. You know, just put it in a box and send it to us or bring it to us or any, anything. Put it really. in a fireproof box and ship it oh, back to us. I saw that. I saw that. Well, I mean, that's, and, that's and, shocking. And actually, that's yeah. what they pretty much did. And the vouchers were actually then giving you $50 off your next Samsung yeah, device. Yeah, no, that is addition. what I've got a problem with. Uh, yeah, $50. Mm. And I see why they took $50. Why was it not 100 Why wasn't it 200 Why wasn't it $500? Why don't they say, do you know what? For your loyalty, the next one's free. Now, I know that that's a, a potentially ridiculous statement here, but I wanted them to erase the issue. You just say, oh, there was a problem. That's, don't worry about it. It's I, Here's I a think, new one. You know, go on. Well, as I say, I, I don't think it would have been credible to offer new devices. And in some respects, you've got to have the firm be able to continue and, you know, to offer completely free devices would have actually bankrupted them, I, I, well, I suspect. Uh, hold on a minute. They're already, they're already down $5 billion. Precisely, but then you double that and then potentially open it up to even more costs. But how, how many people bought a Note and then went, oh, no. So they, yeah, they take it back. They don't want another Samsung device. I absolutely don't. Yeah. Unless, of course, you're saying, look, here's the S7, top of the range, and we give you a free VR headset and a so-and-so on a what's it, and we know the S7 is perfect. Don't worry about it. 
I'm not sure when the crisis is happening and the phones are failing and, and they're doing that sort of stuff that necessarily, it's only with hindsight that you necessarily realise that you should have sort of done more, more quickly and, and been mm. so absolute about it. But the, what I've been interested in is what the conversations turn to now, because I wondered whether or not there's an opportunity to make some benefit out of this in the, in the way that Rafe was talking. And you and you, well, you own Volvo, yeah? Well, you yep. did, you did yeah, in the yeah. UK. And it, yeah. one yeah. of the primary characteristics of that vehicle that they marketed on really heavily is this mm. is a safe vehicle. You know, you yes. put your family in it. It's family friendly. It's very safe. Why it, we bought it actually? Yeah, safe. It's, it's yeah. good. Good for the environment in terms of all the bits can be recycled. All those sorts mm. of things. And I'm thinking, well, one of the things you do is you massively overcompensate in terms of safety, and you say, well, actually, the Samsung devices now are yeah, the because most, of this. Yeah, the, yeah, we we screwed up, guys. You know, we really screwed up. But the most tested, the safest, the most reliable, because we are going to be, you know, kind of absolutely whiter than white. Now our brand. Yeah, yeah. Our, our, we own this so much that we're going to actually put the device being safe and maybe you even bundle in there sort of healthy to use. You know, you factor in all the health issues. You make sure that the thing doesn't carry germs. You make sure that it's easy to disassemble and recycle in the same way that Apple made a big play of that recently. Yeah. But there hasn't been anything. And, and I sort of feel that any potential opportunity to take it and take the negative and turn it around into a positive has gone now. We're just left with the residual memory that they launched the device, it didn't go well, they screwed up the recall, and eventually everybody was all right. It's negative at the minute, but they can bring it back big time in uh, Mobile World Congress in Barcelona, which is you know, the, 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 the Samsung unpacked event that's when the world's attention will be turning to Samsung again. And that's when they can really go, they can go nuts. They can really do some exciting things there. Yeah, it's interesting because I think Ben's being too harsh there. And his, mm. um, if I can call it this, his... Apologist. Ma- make Samsung great again <laughs> strategy. That was oh, a, look what he did. Look what he did. <laughs> that was a funny joke when we wrote it. And some things have happened since yeah, then. I mean, okay. it's not very funny. Okay. But no politics on the show. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but I think actually it all comes down to what they release next. And actually that idea of, presenting themselves as the company that cares about that strategy, that safety going forward. And however you choose to position yourself, I think there's lessons that could be drawn out of that. But also making a bigger splash with the S8 and setting that as the new benchmark and putting loads of marketing behind it and to kind of change the discourse that we're currently having. Because at the moment, when someone mentions Samsung, they think about the note. That's just the way it is at the moment. I think that goes away quite quickly. I think that's what we've learned from other corporate recalls, that if you make enough noise about something else, it's basically quite simple. That becomes what the news cycle is about. What's been unfortunate for them is, you know, there has been kind of a continuous trickle and hit on this as more and more things have come out. When they get that new device out, and whether it's the S8 or something else, I think they can then start repositioning themselves and sort of come back with a really big bang. And that is going to require a big media spend, and that's absolutely what they'll go for. I think the subtlety that you suggest of having this positioning as you know the safety brand or the reliable, the trusted brand in mobile is absolutely possible because you know we do have this almost pushback against Apple as not being quite as great as they used to be. And Mm. there is something to exploit there. And as these mobile phones become more and more commoditized, actually the brand and the associations with them become more important in consumers' mindsets because that's what differentiates them. And experience will still be, I think, everything. And Samsung and everyone else has been making a big play of that. 
but there is something that more of the X factor or the associations you have. And it does become much more like the fashion world or the automotive world where you can have consumers make that conscious choice. So if I was, you know, bit playing armchair exec, that's what I'd be thinking about as Samsung, you know, use this adversity as an opportunity. Uh, yeah, and, and I wish it wasn't true because it's not true for the way I perceive products, but I, for the market it is because, I mean, many, many years ago, and I think I've talked to you guys about this in the past, I mm. worked for a company that was working for Ford and it was around the time when Explorer uh, SUVs were flipping over because of an issue with Firestone tyres, if I remember it correctly. And if I haven't got that right, don't sue me, I've got no money, all right? But it was very sad. People were dying. There was a in somewhere in the process, one of the products was defective or not fitted correctly. And it was it was disastrous. And, you know, the reason I'm aware of this story in the UK, because obviously they don't sell that vehicle in the UK, was that we were responsible for dealing with all of the really unpleasant images that had to be captured after an accident that, oh you know, effectively documented what had happened so that investigators could do what they needed to to understand what the defect was. And you realise quite how colossal and horrific things can get when, you know, say, safety critical product fails and you know obviously a vehicle is and i have to say having been close to that although i didn't actually see the images myself i was fortunate not to have to i thought how could a brand ever recover from that how could gm recover from making a vehicle that had its fuel tank in the boot and when you crashed into it you know it burst into flames and killed people or how could ford recover from suvs that flip over under certain conditions and kill people or how could samsung recover from making a product that catches fire and puts people's lives at risk and they do and that that is part of the, the bit that i don't understand but i think that Samsung is uniquely vulnerable now because of the range of products they sell. This story about Samsung being unreliable doesn't just have to be phones in future. There was a follow-up story about a washing machine that broke apart and risked hurting people. And there'll be fridges and TVs and this sort of stuff. I mean, Ewan, if your cable provider in Denmark gave you a new set-top box that was Samsung mm -hmm. branded, would you be happy to leave it plugged in, let's say, in, in the boys' bedroom, you know, if there's, if there's their bedroom TV when they move to Denmark? Sorry, it's a bit, you know, emotive, but actually yeah. these are the choices that people are faced with. Well, this, that's an interesting one. I, I think I would rationalise that on the basis that the phones division I know is you know, rather completely different from the the divisions making TV set-top boxes or TVs or, or anything else. You sure they don't uh, share quality manuals? Well, I mean... You know, you, you've so, got a So point that's the interesting there. question. Yeah. It becomes very emotive. I mean, I don't think most consumers give it that much thought, in all honesty. And I think it's more no, serious because no. mobile phones are such a personal item and such high profile in the news. You know, they are the most popular consumer product. And so it is a big thing. So I don't think we can really answer this question until we move six, 12 months down the line. You know, actually, a good question is what happens to the Note brand next September? Do they try and launch the Note 8 or do they do something else? We'll get a bit of an answer with the S8 and subsequently to that. What would but you do, Grace? I think we've already covered that kind of big piece. I mean, I would do a big splash on the S8. I would try and position the company that, yes, we're going to address this. You know, don't run away from the story. Run headlong into it and try and take advantage of it. Use it as an opportunity. And would you but, launch the notes uh, again next year? The Note 8. Yes. I honestly think that brand is probably too damaged to resurrect at this point in time. A bit singed. What do you think, Ben? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know enough about branding and, and that sort of stuff to say whether or not they need to kill the name, but I think that they've got to do something about the perception of, of quality and not just because the perception of quality, but because if that story that Samsung have to rush things into the market to respond to all the people eating their lunch becomes a theme because now we see mobile phone launches and big consumer products. They're in mainstream news, you know, the Samsung yeah. launch a product, Apple launch a product, and the mainstream journalists need to have a narrative to explain that launch to people and to put it into context when they tell the story of those products. And if they're always talking about Samsung are catching up, they're fast followers, they've rushed this to the market so that they mm. can be first, that is as damaging a narrative as, by the way, the last one burnt someone's house down. And I think <laughs> they've got to get actually not just the things Rafe said, because I think I mean, Rafe's right in that case. They've got to get ahead of that and actually be talking about the things that they're doing first and then yeah. put that fire out as well. And they've been trying to do that, but you're right. Getting away from that easy story, that easy narrative is absolutely vital. And actually, that probably what dictates whether the Note brand could come back. If with the SA, you know, they have a really successful launch, they, you know, do the double sales again, or, you know, they start to introduce new innovation, there's more experiences, or whatever it is coming in, they absolutely can do almost do anything because consumers are fickle. I mean, that's what we kind of well, come to. I think coming back to some of the geeks, it, it, it's different, but actually they're probably the ones that can make a more rational decision in some ways. And I would sort of maybe end by saying Samsung have an opportunity here to recover. I don't think it's terminal by any means. I um, think one of the, the key things they've got to avoid is the perception of dishonesty because absolutely. they're dancing a line at the moment with that recall and they need to sort of own that cock up and be absolutely straight up because I witnessed a really interesting conversation the other day in the pub about would you buy a VW car now? And all the people around oh, the all the people around the table said no, not because of emissions, not because they care about green, not because they don't like VW products, but because VW deliberately lied and therefore are dishonest and therefore not worthy of my money. I don't want to be associated with liars. Absolutely, and something I think most people would be willing to say. I mean, with your exception, maybe of saying that they rushed it to the market, most people would go it kind of happens and they didn't set out to have exploding phones. And that's why the VW situation, I think, is very different. But you're right, that's the narrative they need to avoid. And so it can go one way or the other. And that's why, in one sense, the next 12 months is so vital. I mean, in the meantime, there's absolutely some competitors who can and benefit. And then maybe that's the last topic to just say that, you know, it's interesting, there was this kind of assumption that Apple would be able to sell a lot more phones or Honor or whoever it happened to be, Huawei, kind of Xiaomi. But actually the reality of it has been that because most of those production scales are set, you know, sometime in advance, they weren't able to respond immediately. But it was very noticeable that when talking about things like the Xiaomi Mi Max or, you know, the latest of the Huawei, you know, the P9 and some of their larger screen devices as well, right across the market, you know, they were responding to Samsung and kind of referring to it in passing. And I suspect that will continue for a while. You only have to be prompted to go and buy the cheap one once and then think, actually, that's not half bad. I quite like that. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. You know, having talked about the opportunity for Samsung, I think it's also worth saying there's an opportunity for others. And kind of the question yeah. here is who's going to benefit? And on the one hand, there's actually quite a simple glib answer that 
other manufacturers weren't able to immediately suddenly adjust production. That's the thing that takes a couple of weeks at least, yeah. if not a bit longer. And also, you know, in terms of rolling out products, as Ben said, most of them are on a calendar. Mm. Apple, you know, actually almost, I think, came out and said, you know, we're already at peak production. We can't sell more of the devices. We're yeah. at capacity. It was notable that a few people like Xiaomi were coming out with products and uh, Huawei, and they kind of emphasized the fact that they would make great alternatives to the Note. But actually, I think there was a sense of Samsung, it was the company that it, it happened to, but there wasn't this immediate feeding frenzy saying, you know, buy us instead. But I think it probably asked the questions in consumers' mind, is there an alternative out there? And, and that's kind of what's damaging. That's the opportunity for others. Yeah, because if you're in that market, you only need to be encouraged to go and buy the cheaper device once and realize Absolutely. actually that that's just as good. Yeah, yeah I mean, right. I had my head turned yet again by Huawei. They've got the Mate 9 has just come out. And if you remember, I was raving and loved the Mate 8. I was in the market mm-hmm. for a new big Android handset. And the, the Mate Keep 9 warm is... winter. Indeed, indeed. It's burning a <laughs> hole in my mental... A wallet. And Literally I, I, and metaphorically. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, sorry, that's the wrong terminology to use <laughs> yeah. now, isn't it? Right, yeah. <laughs> I really do like the, the look of the Huawei Mate 9. It looks fantastic. Some of the, the features are really cool. And they don't have that many nonsense ones because Samsung has got all these nonsensey ones that you know that you have to switch off because you never use. The 9 looks really, really nicely engineered. And, and it's uh, really interesting. Yeah. And it's cheap or yeah. cheaper. Yeah. Anyway. It's not yeah. cheap for a Huawei device. And this yeah. is the interesting thing for Huawei. I mean, they've kind of positioned themselves as now providing premium hardware. And actually, all the reviews you read absolutely buy into that, but they're still providing fantastic value for money. So it's an interesting dichotomy there. But as Ben said, that prompts people to think about that and that could be the reason people will switch away from the Samsung brand. And that, I think, is damaging, even if it's sort of just prompting that awareness of something else out there. Because the Note range isn't just a big phablet. It's like a halo device for the Samsung range, isn't it? And so even yeah. if you don't buy Notes, there's a good chance that you buy it because the perception is that it's the top of the line and it all you know all these features. And if you see that, that they are vulnerable, then you'll start to cast the nest around. But in terms of who can benefit most, I think it is fairly obvious that Samsung was already struggling to justify charging premium prices for its devices when in the UK, anyway, Huawei, Xiaomi, this kind of thing are all able to match it feature for feature. They've sorted out yeah. the, the styling and the branding and they've got it you know, to consumer tastes now and they've got Porsche design and Leica camera and all those mm. sorts of things. So I think that those brands can still emerge. And, and, actually, and it is the Android brands, we should say. Yeah, and I, I, don't think, I don't think Apple will benefit from this because actually very few people buying a Note probably see Apple as a viable alternative, not least because the ecosystem lock-in. Yeah, and that ecosystem comment's interesting because, as you said earlier, for you there's some concerns about other Samsung products. So it does make you wonder beyond that as well. I mean, that comes back to the fickle consumer debate. But ultimately, you look at this and go, it's a road bump for Samsung. How they respond to it in the next year or so and how they position themselves, it becomes part of their ongoing narrative in which they are facing competition, um, particularly from beneath, I would say, other Chinese manufacturers. You know, Huawei is now number three in the world behind Apple and Samsung. Mm. But also there's a whole range of small competitors. And I think particularly identifying that kind of down market problem where people have seen it as a halo device. They they have two big launches a year, basically, the S series and the Note series. One of those was effectively torpedoed. Now, you know, initially they've got the S8 to come back to. The really challenging bit will, I think, be, you know, Back in September 2017, that's when 
you know, the, that full measure of how they've recovered, I think, will be be evident. And I think for them, it actually clarifies the thing that they need to do. They need to double down on that experience and they need to double down on that brand because those are the things that are going to make people buy that as opposed to something else. Okay, so we're nearly out of time. So final pop mm. quiz question from me then. Go on. T- setting aside what consumers will do and setting aside what we personally will do and all that sort of stuff. What does what's happened tell us or what insights does it give us about the way that Samsung actually works? And do you think that they can come back from it? Not in theory, could they own this, but actually culturally as an organization, do they have problems inside? Can they actually recover from this? Or is this actually just the cracks emerging to the surface? Ian? Okay, so I'll go go first. I, 5 billion in any currency is a... Uh, this was five, a, 5 billion US dollars, wasn't it? US dollars, right. I mean, that, that is certainly getting anyone's attention. So I think they will react and change positively for the, for the benefit. They've been looking to diversify out of the phone space because there's less growth left there anyway. I think that will accelerate that effort. But actually, I think they absolutely will come back. And I think they... Uh, probably are more aware of the need to change culturally than perhaps we're willing to acknowledge. Well, you might expect me to be a bit more negative about this, but I respectfully disagree because, you know, in my career as a consultant, I sometimes work with organizations that have had a big problem or have, have, have a big failing. And in my experience, when something really, really bad like this happens, it completely dominates all the thinking and all the agenda for many years to come. And uh, yes, the, the, the knee-jerk reaction is baked into the culture. You know, if you were too careless in the past, you become overly conservative. Super if, careful. Yeah, if you didn't prioritise design, then you're only about design to the detriment of everything else. If you had a staffing issue or a people issue, then you focus on that and you forget about buildings or or other things and i mean you know many organizations i've worked in both public and private sector have had that kind of behavior and so i think that it's almost beyond imagination that samsung is not going to be so crippled by self you know introspection and trying to work out how did this happen who failed have we tested these devices enough Mm -hmm. actually even though there are the, I agree with you, there are the opportunities to do the right thing. There are the opportunities to own this. They can minimize it by diversifying out of phones that actually it's very, very likely that in actuality, what will happen is that for a while they will flounder and that although we won't necessarily see it because they will lay on a very good PR layer over mm. the top and what, you know, what consumers get to witness that behind the scenes, the energy that might have otherwise been put into innovation and really sort of moving from fast follower to, to market leader in some areas will be diverted into, you know, internal politics and internal issues, which could be a, a drag for years to come. Well, on that positive note, there we go. <laughs> We should wrap it up there. Uh, no doubt the listeners will have opinions to share with us. So uh, mm. you can get us at 361podcast on Twitter, 361podcast.com. There's a link there where you can email us, you can leave a comment on this post, or you can even leave us a voicemail if you like. The people at Skype have taken away our voicemail message, which is not cool, Skype. Thank you. But you can still leave a message. You just won't hear my dulcet tones saying thank you, leave a message. And uh, yes, you can also find us on LinkedIn and Facebook and things like that as well. But but. Don't, don't really. Just find us at 361podcast on Twitter is, is the place to talk to us. As ever, we welcome your feedback. Thank you to everyone who wrote in and said nice things about last season. Later on in this season, we're going to be introducing a new feature where Rafe Bamford, 
explains things to us. We're, we're going to open the Rafepedia. What? Yeah, I know. What? I, I, I'll brief you on this later. Oh, so if you've yeah. got a if you've got a question for <laughs> Rafe Blanford and no one else can help, maybe he can help you. Or maybe you just like to hear Rafe Blanford explain something complicated. Uh, can you um, please send in questions that are off the wall and ridiculous? Exactly. Uh, yeah. Send in your questions for Rafe Blanford to answer. And later in the season, we'll also be talking about the sort of things that we're going to do later on in the season. We've got a few extra things planned. Oh, yes. And yes. Uh, of course, we'll be talking about what we'll be doing for everybody who's supporting us through Patreon. Uh, mm. you know, a special thank you we like to do uh, from time to time. Maybe we'll try and coincide something over Christmas if we're really cool Ooh, early, nice. early in the new yeah. year. Yeah. So thank you very much, guys. Lots um, of love. Well, thank you. Thank you, sort of, Ben. Thank you. We should say thank you to Mark at audioangler.co.uk who edits the episode. Thank you to our friends at DHSLBI who still provide us with recording venue. Thank you to Skype for nearly providing a, a way for us to talk to you and McLeod uh, seamlessly. <laughs> and uh, we will be back next week. So lots of love. Tune in then. Bye. Bye.